Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, it's been a, a little while since I've ministered. Uh, it's been actually since end of February, so welcome back. Uh, been a little while, so thankful for the opportunity to get up and uh, minister and uh, kind of search in my heart what to talk about um, uh, this evening. Uh, the Lord directed me back to what I talked about last time, and um, a few things to add to it, and uh, a few things to say, and it's not for a lack of other things to talk about, uh, but we want to obey the Holy Ghost and, and uh, do what He directs us, say what He would have us to say. You know, I'll just say this, I believe we're... Uh, I personally am convinced of this. You can believe what you like. Um, I will say this, you know, no matter what we believe, the truth is the truth. (laughs) Whether we choose to believe one thing or not, uh, it doesn't really change what's actually happening. Um, But I personally believe that the Lord is, um, uh, I don't don't want to say it this way, I I want to say that he's taking us into a time, I believe we're already in a time of preparation for some things. Uh, I believe the church is um, in a place where God is moving and uh, working in His church, getting His church ready for what's next. I believe we're we're in a, we're in a time of preparation for what's next, for what God wants. How many know God's not done? Have you realized that what we've seen is just a little bit of who God is and what He wants to do? And I'm not just talking about heaven, but I'm talking about even here on the earth, there's much more to be accomplished, much more that God wants to do. He's got a lot more tricks in his bag than we've seen in our lifetime. And I don't know a better way to say it. He's not out of good things. He's not out of things to do. Um, you know, anytime God does something, he does it big. He's a big God. He's a great God. He can't, he can't help but to do things in a big way, in a grand way in a way that far surpasses how we see things or what we would expect, right? Remember, he does exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even think of, even dream of. He, he can do those things. His whole way of thinking is so far outside of ours. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so important that we not limit God, what he wants to do, what he can do based upon our own experiences, our own opinions. God's got more that he wants to do. And I will tell you this, the will of God will be accomplished, Every bit of what he wants to do, every bit of what he said here in his word, every bit of what he's promised, every single bit of the plan of God from the foundations of the world will be done. It'll be accomplished, every part of it. And really, our decision is is not one of, uh, we can't hinder God from from doing it. It's going to be done. Uh, We just get to decide whether or not we want to be part of it, whether we want to be in the middle of it, whether we want to be, look back at our time here, whether the Lord... Uh, tarries or, or comes in our lifetime, whether we want to look back at this life uh, and be thankful or regretful for our involvement. That, you know how many know it's up to us what we do. And I think I said this morning where our offering is concerning, it's our only time we get to do our giving, what we gave this morning. It's our only chance to do it. How many of this life is the only chance we have to do this? And uh, it's important that we live it well, we do it right, that we walk with the Lord and not expect Him to walk with us. I mean, you know, he does walk with us, but it's more important that we walk with him. He blesses his plans, not our plans. And it's important that we walk those things out. Like I said, I believe we're in a, a season of, uh, of preparation. 
I believe there are things that, that God wants to do. There are things that God wants to accomplish. I, I personally believe that the Lord will return for a triumphant church, for a glorious church. I don't believe he's going to come back and find a church that's barely holding on, barely hanging in there, down to the last few people who made it, just where there's no light going on. I don't believe that's the way this works. I believe he'll come back for a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle. That's what he's looking for. And uh, I mean, anytime that the devil tries to do something, when God shows up and makes it right, he does it, like I said, in a big way. He does it seven times bigger than what the enemy tried. That's just who he is. And, um, you know, if we're going to have those things, if we're going to walk in that, there are things that need to be adjusted. There are things that need to be said. There are things that need to be uh, uh, talked about. There are things that need to be addressed. And uh, like I said, I'll get back into what I talked about the last time I ministered. Um, You know, when God's moving, it's really important that, that we're in the right place. And like I said, we can't stop it. It's going to happen. The plan of God will, will, will take place regardless, and, and it's just our choice whether we want to be a part of it or not. Um, I think years ago, Keith Moore had ministered uh, along a topic, and I believe actually Lori uh, ministered that here at our church after that, shortly after that. You ministered along the same lines that uh, when God's moving in a, in a great way, when God is really doing something, uh, you know, there can't be any room for, for other stuff going on. And that it's really, it's the mercy of God why we don't see some of the things that we see promised in the Word of God. Do you remember talking about that? No? Okay, well, it was good. She didn't remember it, but it was good. Uh, it's really the mercy of God for, for us, for His kids primarily, first and foremost, and the world, that, um, that, that we don't see more things happening. You don't see a greater uh, outpouring of the presence of God. You don't see these things in a greater manifestation when there's sin in the church, when there's problems in the church, when there's compromise in the body of Christ, God loves his kids enough to, to hold some things back because we can't handle it. If you don't believe that, ask Ananias and Sapphira. When God's moving in a, in a big way, uh, you know, something as simple as what they did. Some people think, oh, that wasn't that, that bad. Well, when God's moving, uh, there can be no room for some of these things. And, um, you know, we all want God to show up. We all want God to manifest himself. How many are you in the same boat? We want that. Well, if we do, we've got to, we have to address some things and some things have got to be talked about. Some things have got to be discussed. Uh, this afternoon I was just thinking about uh, the difference in times, you know, you had Aaron's sons, uh, uh, in the book of Leviticus that when they offered the wrong kind of fire to the Lord, that, that the fire came out and consumed them on the spot. I remember that story in Leviticus. I mean, that was, they did something seemingly not that bad. They still presented an offering to the Lord, a burnt, you know, a flame to the Lord, but it wasn't the right kind of fire. They did it the wrong way. And uh, the fire came out and consumed. Actually, uh, God even told Moses, tell them, don't, told, told Aaron, don't even mourn them. Think about that. He said, he, God was so, uh, 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 I don't want to use what the right word is. Strict is not the right word, but the presence of God and what was happening at that time was so real that the Lord told Aaron, Moses said, tell Aaron not even to mourn. These are his two boys. Don't even mourn them. Take them out, bury them. Don't mourn them. Don't, don't do that all because God would see, take that as an offense. We think, you know, how, you know, we think in our terms, like I said earlier, we, it's important we don't look at stuff through our lens. How many know God's ways and the way he looks at things and does things is always right? 
Whether we understand it or not, it's always right. Whether it agrees with us or not, it's always right. We've, we've got to come to that point where we stop arguing with God. I so say we've got to come to the point where we start, stop arguing with God. That, that, well, you know, you could have done, a lot of people would think of that. Aaron's sons, even God's commandment not told, told Moses, don't even, let, don't even have them mourn their sons, his sons. We would think, think that as just being harsh, kind of over the top. Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it's not right. I said, just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it's, it's not right. God's ways are perfect. You know, it could have been that had they, Aaron made a big deal over his sons, those that knew what had happened could have then thought, well, then they could have started blaming God and judged God unfaithful. I mean, that could have continued their sin, right? But then you think later, Eli's, Eli's uh, sons... I mean, they were doing all kinds of terrible stuff. They're one of the last prophets, you know, one of the, the last prophets there are, the, are judges there in, in the land, and, and uh, they were doing terrible things, and yet nothing happened. Samuel went on and on and on and on, and nothing was going on. Well, if you read in, the, in that story in First Samuel, it says that the word of the Lord, the light had grown dim. The word of the Lord had grown dim during that time, and so there was a lot of sin in the, in the body, a lot of sin in the, in the children of Israel. So the light, the presence of God had grown dim. Well, if we want more light, if we want more presence, then we have to make sure we're walking closer to him. I know that's not popular, but it's true. It's not popular, but it is true. Uh, it's so important that we, we stick close to him and stick close to what his word says. Uh, like I said uh, a couple a couple months ago, last time I ministered, we were reading. You can turn over to Second Timothy. We were reading here in Second Timothy, and I'm just going to touch on a few things. And I'm going to forgot to stop the start the clock. Uh, touch on a few things here, and I'm going to endeavor to not go really long. Just say what needs to be said. It's an Anderson thing we have to overcome, you know. So uh, I get it, honest. My mom just goes really long all the time. Um, <laughs> That's always good. Paul was writing here to Timothy, and we reread these scriptures in Second Timothy. This was the getting it to the very end of Paul's life, and and we talked about the fact that last instructions are important. The important instructions, things you want to last things you want to leave with somebody, how important they are. And in Second Timothy chapter four, in the sixth and through the eighth verses, that he's already been poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. Paul was well aware of these things. He said, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. What, what an awesome way to know, to come to where you know that your life is coming to the end, and yet you know for a fact you fought the good fight. You finished the race. You've kept the faith. He said, finally, there's later for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So it was his last words that he was giving to them and speaking into their lives, and he uh, in second Timothy or in the fourth chapter uh, in the first verse he talked about a, he taught, he was talking to Timothy he said, "I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance now he 's qualifying his statements now we know that the verses after this he says that he 's already his time of his departure is coming to an end, but even prefaces what he 's about to say to Timothy he said, "I charge you therefore." Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance and his kingdom. Do you think Paul was trying to make a point here? 
I think the Spirit of God was trying to make a point here. He was trying to make, a, trying to make, a, make it very clear. He said, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure. Everybody say endure. Endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and to be and turn be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure, endure in afflictions, do the work of the ministry, and fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. So he was giving very clear instructions to Timothy before he left to preach the word, be ready in season and out. He said to convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And he said that, uh, goes on to say the time will come when people not endure sound doctrine, they heap up for themselves teachers. You know, we live in a time where that really is going on a lot. Because information is so available, I remember when I was younger, I mean, you know, you, you, you might have a stash of tapes at your house or things you've gotten from different ministers. Maybe a guest minister would come through and you'd buy some tapes from them or get a hold of something. But you didn't have all the information, all the teaching that's out there. I mean, there, there is so much stuff. And Pastor said this morning, you know, just because it's out there doesn't mean it's good. Just because it's on a Christian uh, a network or, or a satellite channel or whatever doesn't mean it's good. You know, you can, if you've got money, they'll put you on. If you've got money, they'll put you on. They will, they will broadcast you. And, uh, you know, we can't just listen to everything, but we live in a time where there's so much out there that it's so easy to just listen to what you want to hear. You have something that you like, go listen to that. You can find a lot. And when you're hearing things that you like, how I many know when you're feeding on one thing, that means you're not feeding on something else. When you're filling your appetite and your diet with, with one thing, something you really like, you may not always get what you need right? I mean, there's certain things I really, really like, and there's some things that I really need. And they don't always line up. When I say I like it, I like it. The things that you need, you do realize you like. The things you need, you, re- you do realize you actually do like those things. Because when you don't have them in your life, talking about food you're eating, when you don't eat the right things, it affects your everyday life because you need those things. So the reality is you'd really do like those things. They're just not as pleasing to the flesh, right? If we only eat what we want to, we won't live long. If you skip everything green, because you don't like green things, how many know that you probably, you're going to have some problems. If all you eat is dark chocolate, can I get an amen in the house, right? (laughs) Strawberries dipped in dark chocolate. Little pieces of cheesecake dipped in dark chocolate. Oh, hey, hey. I mean, the dark chocolate diet probably wouldn't do real well. <laughs> but it's, it's sad in the church. There's a lot of people that are living on a dark chocolate diet. They're living on, the, the, they're living on I almost said the good things. I mean, it's all good. But they're living on what they want to hear. And they're... How I many know if, you're, if your diet's wrong, you can't run? You can't physically participate in the things you need to. You have small or short endurance. Well, spiritually speaking as well, if you're feeding on the wrong thing, you can't run like you're supposed to. You can't do the things that you're supposed to. You can't endure the things you need to endure. 
So Paul was, 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 you know, warning Timothy here. And by the way, some of the things I'm going to say tonight, you know, I'm not at all uh, trying to uh, add on or correct or fix or improve pastor's message the last two weeks. But I will say some of the scriptures I did read first. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, we, li- we, live in, we live in times we have to be really careful. Before Paul read, wrote this, we read this, this pastor read this this morning. I read it a couple of weeks ago in, in the third chapter. He said, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. He goes, goes on to say, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, self, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong. This is not the list of attributes any of us want, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away. Uh, you know, he says that perilous times will come. It's interesting, when, when Pastor read that this morning, you know, he said he was talking about the fact that every generation thought the days they were living in were tough, the things were going on that shouldn't be going on. And every generation thought, oh, Jesus has got to be coming back. I always think about World War II. He mentioned the, the, the dark ages during that period of time. I always think about World War II. Think about you just came out of World War I, all of the, the things that happened during that. And then you, in just a few short years, World War II rolls around and, and Hitler comes to power. And, and just the whole world is in chaos. You, up until those points, you never had a world war. You've never had things of this nature. Can you imagine? Now, now maybe, I don't know, maybe we have some folks that were... Uh, uh, here during that time. I wasn't here during those days, but you know, I've, I've, my grandparents were here during those days and I remember talking to different ones and it would be easy to think, oh, it can't get any worse than this. Jesus has got to come back. You see, you know, uh, uh, the Germans were moving across Europe and you hear rumors of them trying to come over here, which, you know, they did have plans to come to the U S and they had a worldwide, uh, domination plan. They were looking to take over them in Japan, take over the world. And, you know, people during that time were thinking, oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, they can't get any worse than this. And, and Pastor said, you know, every generation has seen these things. And it's true every generation has seen these things. But I thought this. I said, you know, whether Jesus comes back in our lifetime or not, whether, whether, whether we think that this is, that these are the times where the Lord has to return because it's gotten so bad that he has to return, whether he comes back during our lifetime or not, this is our lifetime And what's happening right now are perilous times for our generation. If Jesus tarries, their generation will have the things that they're going to face. And so, of course, it's our responsibility to prepare the next generations that follow us, give them the word, teach them the truth so they can face those things. But for our generation, what we're facing right now, they're perilous times for us. And so we've got to be careful of those things. So really, you know, whether or not Jesus is coming back or not, uh, you know, it's not that we've got to get ready so Je- before Jesus comes. We have got to get ready be- and do these things because it's our generation. It's our life. These are the only years I'm going to be here if the Lord tarries. I don't, get an- I don't have another, another shot of this. And so I, for me, for my family, for my wife and I, with our children instilling things in our children, I mean, you know, we're at the point Jack's about to graduate high school, and we're thinking, you know, uh, wow, I mean, he's, he's about to be on his own. And so we're trusting God, the things we're placing in our kids that they're going to know these things and not just know them when they're in mom and dad's house, but know them for their own house, because they're going to have their, if the Lord tarries, they're going to have another generation is going to come up and they have to lay these things out, these truths out. They've got to live these things. 
So for our generation, we're living in perilous times. We're living in times where we've got to pay attention. We've got to be aware. And ministers are given the responsibility to speak the truth. Paul was talking to Timothy in light of what's going on in the days that we live. He said, preach the word. And we live in a culture, and I know I've said all this, I'm just kind of repeating myself. We live in a culture, and the reason why I'm saying it's because I felt like the Lord has led me to come back to this, but it's so prevalent in our culture. And when I say culture, I'm talking about church culture. I mean, you know, the church has got its own culture. In church culture, people outside don't want to hear any of it. But in church culture, it's so prevalent that, that you go where you want to go, that, that tells you what you want to hear, that... that that makes you feel good about yourself. It's so prevalent. But how many know it's so unscriptural? It's so unscriptural. It's not right. And even though it's, it may seem painful, and it is painful to hear things, it is, and I was thinking, a pastor said this morning, he said, you know, he, he didn't get, to the, get to, to the encouraging part of the message. The reality is, it's, I'm not correcting pastor, I'm just saying, from my perspective, the reality is it's all encouraging. It's all good. I mean, whether whether it makes me feel great or not, it's good because it's for my benefit. Those are the green beans of my spiritual diet that I have to have, right? I mean, the blessings of God are wonderful, and he is a blesser. He He is rich in blessing. He blesses everything we do. Yes, that's true. And those are wonderful truths. Those are great truths. But he's also the God of the green beans where you've got to listen and deal with things, Right? When you teach your kids how to cook, which my, my parents never taught me how to cook, and you know that by tasting things I try to cook, you can tell them all the wonderful things you can do on a stovetop. Here's a stovetop, and you've got this stove, and you can boil this. You can, you can melt dark chocolate on it. I mean, that's wonderful. You can put a pot and melt some dark chocolate to dip those strawberries in. Isn't the range? Is it a, it's a range, right? Yeah, anyway, Amy doesn't even know either. Oh, y'all pray for us. It's a range, right? Stovetop range, whatever. Okay, that thing with the burners, you know? Whatever it is. Oh, you can, you can, melt, you can melt some chocolate. It's wonderful. But, you, but a good teacher, someone who's teaching someone to cook, a good person would also would start with something else like, don't touch that. You put the pot on it, you don't put your hand on it. When it's red... You don't say, oh, that's pretty. Let me see what red fit. No, you don't touch it because if you do, you're going to pull a Matthew green. I mean, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have burns. Where's Matthew at? Oh, he's serving somewhere. All right. <laughs> no, that, that, that's, that's, how many know the instruction to stay away from the eye when it's hot, not to put your hand on it? That's good instruction. That's good it may, it, it may be more fun to hear something else, but that's a good thing. And sometimes you have to do it a lot. You have to come back to, I know, don't touch that. Don't touch that. I know it looks good, but don't, I, I've given this example for him. We'll tell on my middle son on Nate. We always told our kids, don't stick stuff in the wall sockets. Who parent, what good parents ever told their kids that, right? I told your kids, don't stick things in the wall socket. Don't do that. You know, partly not first, but, but secondary, maybe way down the list. You don't want your house to burn down, right? 
But primarily, you don't want them to get electrocuted. You don't want them getting shocked, right? You don't, and we would, you know, when they were little, we had the little caps, you know, we had the baby proof the house where, you know, you can't even open your own drawers or, or do anything, you know, and you get so frustrated because all I want is a fork, you know. I mean, and so we had everything done and the little plugs in the wall sockets, you know. I mean, back in the, my parents never, you never did any of that stuff, did you? No, it's a miracle we survived. But anyway, um, I mean, you, you, you have those things, the plugs in, right? You cover them, you stick them in there, and every plug in the house, if there's not something in it, you know, you've got the little thing in there. So because sort of little Nady doesn't stick something in it, you know, and then when they get a little older, you know, you get tired of not being able to get into your stuff, so you finally, we're going to take these things off, you know, because our kids are, surely they're reasonable enough to not do this, you know, and you tell them, don't stick anything in there, don't stick anything in there, and you have this conversation over and over, because when you take the plug out, then they're looking at it, you know, because now you said don't do it, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and, and I'll never forget, I came into the room, and I found out later that it wasn't the first time my son had done this. He's like, what you talking about? Remember when you stuck that fork or whatever that was? Was it a knife? What was it? You don't remember? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, he tried. He wanted to see what would happen. Papa, Papa, if Papa remembers it, it happened. All right. He said it's under the blood, right? That's what you're thinking. So God doesn't remember, nor does he. But, um, no, you, you, you give those instructions and you go over it over and over and over again. And you, you have to... You have to you have to be serious about things because it, it you, you want to stick something in there to see what it do but you have to hear some advice and some instruction hey don't do that well it's a pastor's responsibility especially in a local congregation you know traveling ministers don't have that job and in fact they're not held accountable they're held accountable just for what the Lord told them to say but they're not there they're not they don't have they don't have to cover all of these things Timothy was a pastor Paul was saying to him listen do these things. Talk about these things. Make sure you're careful. Well, you know, we have to understand in our, our church culture that we have that when it's so easy to just go listen to something else, if we avoid what's good for us, we can miss out on the good things God has for us and not be able to be who God has called us to be and experience what he wants to do. We limit ourselves. What The freedom we think we get, we don't actually get. The freedom we think we gain, I say we because we've all been there before, the freedom we think we gain is not freedom at all. It's, it's, it's not freedom. It just holds us in bondage. Why? Because the truth will set you free. Not just the, the dark chocolate truths, but the green bean truths will set you free. They will help you walk your life, walk, walk your calling out, walk a life that's well-pleasing to the Lord, that's walking worthy of the Lord. Think about those phrases that Paul said to walk worthy of the Lord. Think about that. You say this way, earn it. No, we can't earn it. But we should, he told us to live our lives in a way so that we're walking worthy of his sacrifice. You can't do that on a dark chocolate diet. I said you just can't. You need these things. Check, testing. There we go. I'll bump the button at the bottom. It's so important that we hear these things. And we talked about in, in this, in First Timothy, the fourth chapter, in the uh, first and second verse, he talked about convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. We said the word reprove there is to convict, refute, to find fault with, and to correct. Now, how many know that all Scripture is inspired by God and it's good and it's profitable, right? This wasn't just Paul 
who thought the church, you know, that in Ephesus where Timothy was, were a bunch of scoundrels. And Timothy, you got your work cut out with those guys because they're a, they're a hot mess over there. And so you need to, you need to really, you need to really rebuke those folks. This was for all the churches in the area. It's for the church today. And he said, he said to find fault with and correct by word and by deed. Though, then he said rebuke. The Greek word of that is another word I can't pronounce, but it, it, uh, uh, um, it said to tax with fault, to rate, rate, child, rebuke, reprove, censure severely. You know, most, most places in, in the church today, most places can't handle, I mean, I, I can tell you, I can tell you, having, having done this as long as I've done it, there are times where you feel like you're like walking on eggshells, Right? He said to rebuke severely, which I would love to have been one of Paul's, Paul's sermons, you know, I mean, get the, get the, get the bitter truth from the brother Paul. I mean, I'm sure there were times like, oh my God, I can't believe he just said that. But he said to rebuke them severely. That's, that wasn't just Paul's opinion. That was directed by the spirit of God. So that was directed by the, if we believe scriptures inspired by God, the Holy Ghost told Paul to tell a pastor to rebuke severely. Then he went on to say to exhort. So you had two corrective and one encouraging. If you look at the, at the, our, our, the church culture we have in general, it's, it's, it's much, much, much more encouraging and a little bit of, eh, and by the way, you probably shouldn't do this. But can we all agree? But I want to remind you that, that Paul told Timothy, he said, I charge you there before, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. And so we had talked about the fact that pastors have got to say things that sometimes are hard to hear. But we, and, and I'm also a member of this church. We need to hear these things. And how we hear affects what they're able to say and what the Spirit of God will allow them to say. You go through generations where uh, we can see where, I mean, I'm, let, let, let's say it this way. The, the glory of the, book, of the church in the book of Acts is a little different than the glory of the church today. Could, could we all agree with that? What God, the things that, are, that happen, a little different. Now, God's, still, God's doing things, but, uh, and of course, you know, you also do know that the book of Acts was written over many, many years, so... And I'm sure there's other things that occurred that weren't written down. Uh, but the glory, of, when Paul's shadow, people are getting healed by Paul's shadow, he, there was a different time we're living in right now. Things were just different. Or Peter's shadow. Let's say Paul or yeah, Peter. Peter's shadow. Uh, the things we see there are pretty amazing. Well, uh, when you go through years and times where those things aren't happening, it's not because God has run out of power. It's because people aren't cooperating with it and living lives that they should, and often because ministers aren't saying what they need to say. And so if people won't hear it and ministers won't say it, then God, out of his mercy, will keep things at bay. He loves us so much, he will do that. So it's really, really important how we hear we looked at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 in the 11th verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I'll let you turn there. 
He says, O Corinthians, we have spoken to you openly. Our Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us. You are restricted by your own affections. Now return for the same. I speak as to children. You also be open. The NIV, NIV says, we've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open and open wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but, are, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. I love the Amplified. It says, our mouth is open to you, Corinthians. We are hiding nothing, keeping nothing back, and our heart is expanded wide for you. There is no lack of room for you in our hearts, but you like room in your own affections for us. Now, people might say, well, they're talking about just loving them. No, it's, 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 it's there. Paul's heart was open. He was saying when he needed to, because he loved them, he cared about them. He was saying, if you care for us, listen. If you care about the truth, listen. He said, by the way, return then, do this for me. I speak as a children, open wide your hearts also to us. The New Living said, there's no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you, you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. It's so important that we're open when these things are, are, are talked about. You know, and, you know, Pastor, the last two weeks has been talking about some things that would be considered difficult in a lot of places. But they're, they're the green beans of the Word of God. They're, they're, the, they're the things that we need to hear. But we have to remain open. I will say this, we're hearing these things because we've been open. We're hearing things because we've been open in the past. But if we want to hear more, we've got to remain open and not shut down. When God starts to tell us things and starts to serve up some things that maybe we we would prefer something else, and not just flip the channel, right? If we want there to be more, because it's all for our betterment, it's all for our benefit, we have to make sure we don't, we don't, uh, uh, we, that we remain in that position. We're hearing things now because we've been open. We've got to remain open. Uh, now I have to figure out how I want to do this. He, Pastor read this this morning uh, in, let me find the scripture. Well, go back, go back to Second uh, Timothy, the third chapter. We were there a minute ago. Go back to that. He said, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Why is it so important that we're open to what the Spirit of God would say to us? Because we're living in perilous times. And that, really, it's not, it's not so much, in my, my, the way I look at it, it's not so much in terms of the condition of the world. Yes, those things are happening that are listed here. But the biggest peril is when you live in an age of deception. When there's a lot of deception, that's the greatest peril to be in. We realize deception is dangerous. Deception is really, 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 really dangerous. He said, but know this in the last days, perilous times will come. We live in a day where there's so much deception that's going on. Because there's so much information that tells you what you want to hear, there's so much deception. And First Timothy, Pastor read this this morning, First Timothy, the fourth chapter. He said, now the Spirit expressly says that in a latter time some will depart from the faith, giving heed. Now, let will just say this, you can't depart from something you weren't a part of. 
Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. He goes on to say about other things that were going on at, 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 uh, in, their, in their time. And, and, of course, there's still some of these things going on today. But he said um, that deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, Pastor talked about that this morning, deception is so dangerous. Because you can believe, you, you know what the problem with deception is? You actually believe you're right. When a person is deceived, they actually believe what they're doing or saying is correct. I was thinking a joke. You can even think bow ties are actually cool, right, Steve? I mean, I mean when you're deceived. <laughs> All right. You can actually believe that grace covers everything. You're talking about a doctrine of demons that has infected the church. Now, I personally don't like calling it the the extreme grace message. I like calling it the extreme forgiveness message. Because great, what do you do when you're in trouble? You go to the throne of grace to find mercy. When you're in sin, what do you need? Mercy. What holds back judgment? Mercy. And then you find what? Grace to help. Not grace to cover, but grace to help. The mercy is covering. It's the grace to help. To help what? Not need mercy anymore. So they've taught this extreme grace message. Talk about grace that really it's all under the blood. You can do whatever. God's not, God's not hold. That is not true. I said that is not true. That is a doctrine of demons. Go to Matthew 28. I want you to see this. Matthew, the 28th chapter. It's not my opinion. I want you to see this. This is the Great Commission. He's talking uh, one of the, some of Jesus' last words. We're talking about last words tonight, right? Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. We love that, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not as many people like that because that requires their time, but we like that. And then he said, verse 20, teaching them, now notice, teaching them to observe. What does observe mean? Does that mean just see it? Teaching them to see it? No, that word observe means to do. He said, teaching them, no, this, is, this is JC, Jesus Christ, the risen son of God. Red letters. He said, teaching them to observe how many? All things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Notice teaching them who? These people that were, were, were con- these converts, these new believers that are being born, to do what? To do, you say it this way, teaching them to do everything I've told you to do. Think about that. His standard is that we do it all. Is that what the grace message has done the last 10, has been 10 years probably? I mean, yeah, is that what it's taught? Is it taught, teach them to do everything I've told you to do? Is that what it said? No, it said, it said, listen, do what you can. And what you can't, the grace of God will cover those things. It's all right. Isn't that what it teaches? You don't need to ask forgiveness for those things. It's already covered. 
God's not really, God's not really holding that against you. He loves you and God does love you. Anytime there's deception, there's truth in it. It's just taken to the wrong, the wrong conclusion. Yes, God does love us. And they say he loves you so much that, yeah, even though this is wrong and that's wrong and this is not okay. And in this area, you know better, but you don't even, you're not even trying. And in this one, you don't even want to think about it. But, you know, you're, do, you're all right overall. You're good for most of it, right? And so don't worry about it. The grace, the grace of God will cover you. We, grace, grace is ability to do everything that he said. The standard is we're to teach people to observe to do all of it. That's, that is God's expectation. I said, that's God's expectation to tell people that it's okay to not do everything that God loves you so much. It's all right. That, that is a, that's a lie from the darkest regions of hell. Why? Because when you don't do what you know to do, what does James tell us? When you're a, you're a, when you are a hearer and not a doer, meaning you know to do something, but you're not observing to do it. What happens in that time? What happens when you don't do it? Who knows in James? You deceive yourself. Meaning you, you actually believe you're okay and you're not. God's standard is, 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 God's standard is perfection. I know that, that goes over big, right? God's standard is perfection. That is his standard. Jesus, Jesus lived a sinless life, lived perfection. That's the standard. And if people don't like it, take it up with him. He's God. He's right. He, we're to teach people to do, observe everything that he said. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep most of my commandments. Is that what he said? There was no qualifier on how many commandments to keep. He just said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Deception gets in. Can I tell you the details matter of our life? These things have got to be talked about. I said, these things have got to be talked about. They've got to be discussed, right? The details matter. How we hear affects how the Spirit of God's able to talk to us. It determines whether or not we're ready for what God is wanting to do. Like I said at the beginning, I believe we're in a time, not starting a time or entering into a time. I believe we're in it, a time of preparation. I believe there is a separating of the wheat and the tares that's going on. I believe there, there, is, there, there are things going on. You know what it is? It's, it's a good thing because it's a revealing of our heart. It's a revealing of our heart. When these things, these times are going on, they're wonderful. The green beans are good because they expose what's really going on in the inside. They help us to see where we're right, right and where we're wrong. We're going back to the, the word of God is profitable, right? It talked about just to show people where they're right and where they're wrong. It helps us to see that in ourselves. It, it's so important that these things are talked about and discussed and we're open because what, what, when we start to receive it and to take it in, you start developing an appetite for those things. Growing up, I used to hate tomatoes. Hated eating tomatoes. I mean, tomatoes are really good for you. I mean, they're super healthy. 
And I used to hate tomatoes. I mean, you know, there are certain things. I, st- I don't like greens. They're, I know they're terrible for it. Not you guys, but I mean like collard greens, you know. Uh, uh, they're green. I don't like them, right? But I, I, I replace them with other things I do like. But I remember I used to just hate tomatoes. We'd go stay with the Morgans when I was a kid, and they would do make to- put tomatoes and everything. I thought I was going to be on a force fast, you know, while we were at their house because I can't. Guys, tomatoes. Well, I started eating them because there was nothing else to eat. Right? I mean, they just forced me to all the stuff I hated. All I'm just kidding. Uh, when I was young, my parents would go out of town. The Morgans would, would let Steve and I, we'd, we'd stay at their house. So they could go to winter Bible seminars or different things when we needed to be in school. And thank God for that. So they would, they would make us part of the family. We ate what they were eating. And they eat a lot of tomatoes. And so, I mean, you know, I, got, I hated those things and couldn't stand them. Well, I, I, that's all there was. I got to eat something. And so I, I started eating tomatoes. You know, today I love tomatoes. I do. It's not like this weird, I love tomatoes. I'm doing it because I know I got to eat. No, I love tomatoes. Nobody else in my house eats tomatoes but me. When there's a tomato, you know what's there for me. I'll cut it up. I'll put a little salt on it and just eat it by itself. I, I love, I'm talking about a lot. I must be hungry. I, I love tomatoes, right? My love for it developed out of eating what was given me and not turning back on it, but eating it. I used to hate squash. Hated squash. Hated squash. Another thing they ate was a lot. Of, I mean, they ate squash. They ate all the stuff I didn't like. And so, and so I just hated squash. Now, today, I love. Ooh, Amy makes. What, what's that? No, when you do your, the spaghetti with squash. Spaghetti squash, ooh, I love that, right? I mean, I love squash today. I mean, I can go to Osteen's and get me squash casserole, a double portion of it. Ooh, yeah. But what if I had never learned to eat it? I'd, I'd have missed out on something that has blessed my life. At one point, it made my stomach turn. Now, it's, it's something I long for. See, how we hear affects the, our taste, for things. We don't need to be people that only have taste for dark chocolate spiritually. We can be people that have a taste for a well-rounded diet in the kingdom of God because only that well-rounded diet, God is not going to force feed us. It's we're it's our choice. If we don't want to hear it, okay, fine. He won't make you eat it, but you know, by that choice, by doing that, you're choosing to not have a well-rounded diet, which means you can't qual- you don't qualify for everything that he wants to do. You just don't. We must be open to what the Spirit of God says. We must be open. Let me find, let's see if I want to, just bear with me one second. Let's see if I want to read this. Go, go to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm, I'm going to read it. Hebrews chapter 12. Are you all all right? All right, my, my clock says 36 minutes. I think I missed about five. So Steve said no. What was it? Oh, 10. Sorry, Steve. Okay, all right. 10 minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it. I'll talk really fast about that. No, I won't do that either. Hebrews chapter 12. I do believe this. God loves his kids enough that he doesn't want to lose his children for the sake of gaining others. To, he wants to keep the ones he has before he branches out in others. If we're going to do the Great Commission, we've got to be commissioned ourselves, right? You can't teach people to observe what, we're not, what you're not teaching. 
I can't teach you to cook because I don't know how to cook. Can't teach it. But in Hebrews chapter 12, the 12th verse, it says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down the feeble knees, make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may, be, may, may not be dislocated, but rather healed. God's always got the purpose of bringing healing, blessing to us. Pursue peace with all, uh, with all people and holiness. Pursue holiness. That means doing it all right. Pursue that. Notice, without which no one will see the Lord. Without pursuing, without a heart and an attitude and a pursuit of doing everything that God has commanded, you can't see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. These things are important because we can fall short. Like I said, you know, I'm not trying to preach pastor's message. I just, we just need to be open to what the spirit of God wants to say. I was reminded of this scripture in Proverbs chapter seven. You can, you can look at it. I'll read it to you. But people say, I don't like this. I don't like the sound of this. This is too, too hard, too harsh, not fun. It's just kind of, it's not really, it's not dark chocolate enough for me. You know, it's not enough. I keep using dark chocolate because I love dark chocolate. This scripture in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 7, it says, A satisfied soul loves the honeycomb. Proverbs 27, 7. I'll wait in case you're turning. You can look at it. I love love the book of Proverbs. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. The New Living said, a person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. I love that. A good indicator. You know, remember, a lot of these things are revealing our heart, revealing where we are, revealing for ourselves. We can see those that we love, how to pray for them, right? How to, how to, how to approach them. When we don't want the things that are hard to hear, that shows we're not hungry. It's a direct reflection of the fact that we're not hungry. We're full on other things. I love that. A person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. You know, Amy and I, just two examples here recently on on Valentine's Day, we went to Jacksonville, went to uh, the melting pot. We used to go to the melting pot every Valentine's Day for years when they were here locally. Then it shut down and... and, uh, so we went to Jacksonville, and, and we ate a great meal. You know, I, I love the melting pot, you know, and did all of our cooking stuff. They do takes like 12 hours to eat. And so uh, we got to the dessert. Of course, we ordered what? Dark chocolate, you know, fondue. So we're eating the dark chocolate and eating it. And I'd eaten so much. It was so good, eating so much. And, and we got, I think this is the first time this ever happened to me. We got to the dessert, and like there was still some cake, still some strawberries, a lot of dark chocolate in the pot. I told Amy, I'm done. I can't eat anymore. I don't want it. The thought of another bite, ugh, I can't have it. And you know I love dark chocolate, right? Why? Because I was full. I mean, I, I literally, I didn't just, on principle, just eat it anyway. I mean, I just, I pushed away from the table, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I just, I can't eat another bite. Why? Because I was full. I was satisfied. So something that I should have loved I didn't want anymore. Something that was, that was my favorite, I didn't want. 
And then just a little while later, after the COVID thing went around, and of course I had COVID, Amy and I, we went to St. Augustine for a couple of days. And, uh, uh, you know, at this point when, I don't know about anybody else, but when I had COVID, everything tasted like dirt. Isn't that nice, right? Everything I ate tasted like dirt, smelled and tasted like dirt. It was not pleasant. And uh, so we got over, you know, feeling much better, but my taste buds were still all out of whack. And so we went to the, uh, to the conch house in St. Augustine, a place that we used to go all the time because we're going to eat, you know, we're going to eat something. And so we went to eat and I'm not tasting a whole lot. At this point, the dirt taste had gone. I just couldn't taste anything. I just had no taste, you know. I mean, I, we went to Osteen's. I'm eating Osteen's shrimp. Didn't taste like shrimp. I, well, how sad is that? I'm just like, so many food references. Anyway, I just, I'm eating the shrimp, eating the, I ate the hush puppies, no flavor. I'm like, oh, man. I mean, forget wasting my money. This is a sin against Osteen's. I can't enjoy it. And so, like, then we're like, okay, well, we're going to go to the conch house because we used to love the conch house. We'd go over there. And so we lived in Jacksonville, and we ordered the conch strips, and they brought out a sauce. They brought the wrong sauce. They brought out a sauce with horseradish in it. I hate horseradish. I can't even hardly say the word without getting sick. I hate it, right? Well, I'm now at a point, I'm not tasting dirt anymore. I'm just not tasting anything. Food is no fun. Can't taste anything. As we're eating, I dipped my, my conch strips in the sauce. Should have been lime something. It was horseradish. I dipped it in the horseradish and I put it in my mouth. Maybe it was lime and all I, I was, maybe my taste buds are messed up. When I, the, fir, the first taste of the day was horseradish. I haven't tasted anything. Couldn't taste anything. Nothing we ate that meal. I could hardly taste anything, but I tasted a mouthful of horseradish. I hate horseradish. Do you know what? It was the best thing I had. I'll be honest with you. I was so excited. I mean, I was like, I was sticking my finger in the horseradish, right? I'm finding other things to dip in the horseradish, you know? I'm like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, can we put a little horseradish in my tea? I mean, you know, I'm gonna, I was so happy. I don't like horseradish. But in the situation where I'm hungry, and I'm not, I'm not just giving my taste buds what they want. They don't know what they want, right? And they're not tasting things right. I was, it's a bitter thing was wonderful. Something that was bitter was great. I was so excited to have, maybe COVID's fixed my horseradish aversion. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, now that my taste buds are back, I probably won't touch horseradish ever again. But anyway, it's so important that we not develop the wrong taste for things and allow the Holy Spirit to broaden our palate, bring things into our life that we need. I know I've talked for a long time. He, Ephesians chapter 4, this is my last scripture, 100% last scripture. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I'm stopping out of the Pastor Anderson playbook. This is my last scripture, and I'll close my Bible after this. It's Sunday night. It's okay. You know... I know, and I've kind of made some jokes tonight, but you do realize we, we, we need to not have our own time clock, right? Well, it's taking too long. Well, how come you sat through a two-hour movie and didn't have a problem? Or you sat through the Gator game for four hours and didn't have an issue? These things expose our heart. Thank you, Kendra. Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 11 said, he himself gave some to apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or mature man, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about or carried about with every wind of doctrine 
the grace messages of our day, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You know, we'll say this. You know, a lot of times while people preach that stuff and promote that stuff, it's not so much they're trying to get a following after themselves. They're trying to feel better about themselves. You do realize that, right? A reason why a lot of why the, the extreme grace message went, blew up the way it did, because it made people feel good about what they're doing. It was an excuse to do whatever I want and not feel condemned. To ignore the condemnation or the, or the pain of our own heart for disobeying God, well, suddenly that just washes it over. Well, pastors are giving for this, given to this, so we can avoid these things. That we avoid not being tossed around any longer by the every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Notice, speaking the truth and love may grow up into all things who is head, the Christ, whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effectiveness by which every joint, every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We all have a responsibility. Your pastors have got a responsibility. But it also talks about each of us doing our share. Now, I just want to touch this because we're talking about in a day where deception is rampant, perilous times, we're living in perilous times. People are departing from the faith, right? Now, I will say this, just because you see something going on doesn't mean that, that you need to throw in the towel, Right? Thank God there's a revealing of hearts that are going on. Why? So we can know ourselves, where we're at. We all have adjustment. Anybody thinks they don't have a thing to work on? I'm sorry, you're wrong. I said, you're wrong. You're wrong. Huh? You're, de- you're deceived. You, th- you think you're right, but you're wrong. Thinking you're right doesn't make you right. It just makes you deceived. It helps us know where we are, but it also, also helps us to pray for people. But there's a part of speaking the truth in love. We have to speak the truth to one another. Now, I don't mean looking for things where you're trying to blast each other, looking around trying to be, you know, your brother's keeper from the standpoint of just pointing everything that's out wrong. If you're going to do that, you better make sure you first have done it to yourself and gotten rid of all of those things. But there is a part of speaking the truth with one another that we have to do. You know, the number one way we speak is by our own lives. The number one voice you have is how you live, not by what you say. Right? But we've got this responsibility towards one another, and it's part of what we've been called to do. Pastors are called to do certain things, to preach the word that he wrote in Timothy, right? But he's also saying we're here to, to talk about these other things here in, in the book of Ephesians. That, why? So there can be a maturing of the saints. But he doesn't leave you out. You've got a part to play in this. Let every word be seasoned by the love of God. Let everything you do be seasoned by the love of God. Right? There's a certain aspect as a parent. We do certain things that we do because our kids need to see us do it. We need it for ourselves, but they need to also need to see us do it. The biggest voice you have is your life. And we are held responsible for our lives before one another. I say we're we're held responsible for that. This is observing to do everything he's commanded us. You know, we should never have a shortage of needing help in the church. We should never have a shortage of of anything that God is doing. There, There should never be any of these things in our life where we're holding things back. Well, no, God is not okay with it. But more importantly, others need to see us walking these things out. 
Others need to see it. If you're not walking out, you can't pray it out for somebody else. If you're not walking out, God won't even trust you to pray something that you don't have for yourself, right? Your words will be hollow. What you say will be shot down by your example. Paul So listen, you know my manner of faith. You know my life that I've lived. That, that gave his message credibility. We are required to watch over one another, pray for one another, speak the truth. I like the example, you know, if you go, go somewhere, I know this maybe isn't good to say in church, right? But it's, it's life. You go somewhere and you've got a, you go home after a long day and you go home and look in the mirror and you had a big booger in your nose. Has anybody ever done that before? <laughs> Nobody's going to say anything. I know you all have, right? Or maybe you go home and you got something in your teeth. Ladies, maybe you, you go somewhere and you find out you tucked your dress. I'm thinking of Cindy, right? Amy Scissor. Tucked your dress in your, in your pantyhose, you know? I don't know about you. When I go home and see that I've got something in my nose or something in my teeth, I think I'm not wearing a dress. Earl, where's Earl at? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I did it too when I was your age. And I turned out all right. But anyway, it was a skit. It was a skit here. Anyway, not, we're not that kind of church. But anyway, my name was Meg Sanderson, and I won a beauty pageant. But anyway, um, I go home, and I see something in my nose, see something in my teeth. My first thought is, how many people saw this? Like, I'm embarrassed. I've been walking around all day with this thing flapping around, you know. But, I'm, but then my next thought is, how many people I know that say they love me didn't say, hey, by the way, you got a little thing at your nose. We, haven't we all been there? You go eat, you know, and you got a big old piece of spinach stuck in your teeth. And you're, hey, you're talking to everybody. And then you get home. How come nobody told me? How come nobody said anything? I've been walking around like a big dummy all day. Nobody said a word. We laugh because it's not that serious. It's not that serious. It's just a booger. We all have them. It's just my boogers. I mean, it's just a booger, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just a piece of food. Well, let me ask you this. We're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about eternal things. We're talking about life and death things, right? We're talking about stuff that you would talk about. I'll remind you before the Lord Jesus who will judge the living and the dead things. If we love people, we'll speak the truth. Not just our words, primarily by our actions. Primarily by our actions. If we love them, I, I, I won't even read that scripture. I told you I wouldn't read another scripture. Will you all forgive me? Let me ask you, do you want me to read this scripture? Okay. Somebody said no. All right, all right, that's it. I'm going to read this. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Now, for quite a while, for me personally, I've been studying on another subject that, that the Lord's had me doing. It's changing the way I look at everything. But this is, this is um, Matthew chapter 7. Can I tell you, this is a scripture, I'm going to be honest with you for just a second. This is a scripture that once I 
we've, I've read it before, but once the Lord started talking to me about it, I'll be honest with you, it frightened me. Safe to say it frightened me. This is in Matthew chapter, not to end on this, but anyway, this is Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Remember, the standard is all of it. Now, there is mercy, and then there is grace to walk it out. He said this, verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice, you who practice lawlessness. Notice he, Jesus didn't say, you never did those things. He didn't correct them. No, you didn't do anything for me. You didn't cast, you didn't do any of that stuff. He didn't say that. He said, you never knew me. I don't want to stand before the Lord. That is the picture of someone who is deceived. That's the end of someone who is deceived. That's the end. That's the final moments. What a horrible position to be in. So what a horrible position to be in. Listen, if you're living on the fence, get off the fence. You can't afford it. If you're wondering what I should do, if the, well, this doesn't apply, this scripture doesn't apply, it all applies to you. I said it all applies to you. I'm not trying to get anybody in fear and stuff. Now, we're, we're not doing that. But there is a part of the fear of the Lord we've got to understand. Right? Fearing God is not being afraid of him. It's not wanting to disappoint him. So you, you run closer to him. But he said, he, said, he said many. He didn't say some. He said many in that day. Not a few. The verses ahead of before, just before this, my narrow is the way and few are who are those who find it. This was Jesus speaking. And he said, these people stand before me and say, listen, I've done all of these things. I've done the stuff. And Jesus doesn't correct them. They actually did stuff in his name. They had things that happened in their life and ministry that God used to affect the lives of others. They were not lying. He didn't correct them. They weren't lying. He just said, I didn't know you. Listen, when we, when we, the, when pastor, somebody who else is ministering, something get, by the spirit of God gets brought up that shows something, reveals something in our life and our heart that needs adjusting, we need to make those adjustments. Not shun it, but make those adjustments, right? But then also when we see things in others, not that we're being judgmental because we know our own frailty, right? Where we're all working out our own salvation. But when we see these things, we pray. We, we trust God to use us to be a voice. Like I said, number one, by our lifestyle. These things are important. So these things are important. So I said it's so serious. Other churches don't have to talk about this stuff. I want to know this stuff now. I don't want to be, I'll be honest with you, I don't want to be the guy who gets there and says, Lord, Lord, I did all of this stuff. I did all of these things. He said, yeah, you did it, but I didn't know you. Meaning we didn't have a personal connection. You followed out of rules and obligation or maybe to make, to be, he knows the motives of our heart, right? But not from a love because when we love him, we obey him, right? When we love him, we obey him. Our love is directly related to our obedience and the standards observing everything that he said. And the grace of God is here to help us do it. Not to, not to give an excuse not to, 
I don't want to be that person. I don't want you to be that person. Pastor said this morning, I want to see all of you. I want to see every last one of you. I do know this. There are others that, that I'm praying for. I'm believing God for. I want to see them. It's our responsibility to do those things. You know, like I said, that was the last scripture. I know some of these things, and I talked for over an hour. I'm sorry. Um, I know some of these things are, can be tough to hear, can be sobering. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to say what the word of God says and not what's easy or not what draws a crowd. Cause earlier in Matthew seven, the crowd isn't going the right way. The crowd's headed the wrong direction. Even the church crowd. Even many in the church, church culture, church world who profess a Christ they're not actually living for. One that they're, and, and they're not obeying. They're not loving. I don't want to be in that number. I don't want you to be in that number. We got to hear these things. I do know this. Like I said at the beginning, we're not in, we're not heading into, I believe we're in a time of preparation for what God has for us. That's what everybody says. It's, I believe it's the truth. Whether Jesus comes back in our lifetime, this is our lifetime. This is our only opportunity to do this. By the grace of God, we can do it. By the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, we can help one another do this. We can aid one another, assist one another, help come alongside. Listen, I've been there. I had, I had to crucify that same thing just a week ago. Come on, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you by praying for it. I'm going to encourage you. you. We can do this together. It's so important. We're in a time of preparation for what God has for us. Jesus is coming back. One time, some, at some point he will. I believe we're getting very close. I do believe we're getting close, but I know my life is getting close in general. Let's all stand. Like I said, I apologize for going long, but it's not my goal just to be long-winded, but we want to convey what's on my heart tonight. Let me just say this, something I've seen. Every head about every eyes closed, nobody looking around. I'll just say this, something I've noticed not, I'm saying just here, but in general, I've seen this. There's been a hardness of heart that's tried to get a hold of the church, many in the body of Christ. And I don't mean just church culture. I mean, those who actually know Jesus, there's been a hardness of heart that's tried to get a hold of people that people have allowed in. It goes back to some of it is the doctrine of demons where grace has been concerned or just just the flesh, just giving into the flesh. Please, nobody's looking around. But I've seen it. It seems as though, maybe it's just because I'm recognizing it, I'm seeing it more. Don't be somebody that holds things for yourself and holds things back. Pastor said this morning, talking about backsliding, we have this idea of someone who leaves God and 
you know, Doug goes out and starts living a crazy life. He said this morning, it's actually absolutely true. It's when you, you start taking a step away, just a simple turning another direction. That's, that's you're in the, you are backsliding. They haven't gone far, but you're moving away from God, drawing away from his presence. Let's not be people where our hearts are hardened, where we think it's okay. Not a big deal. I don't, anybody, I, don't want, I don't want to admit there's anything going on because I don't want somebody to know. Whatever the reason is, let's stay tender before God. Let's stay tender before Him. Keep our hearts open to Him. When He's talking to you about something, do it. It doesn't make sense, do it anyway. It doesn't feel good, do it anyway. It's not easy, do it anyway. Just obey. Just obey. Father, I ask for your grace upon each of us tonight. It is your help to do. It is your help to be. It is your empowerment in our life. Father, I ask for your grace upon each of us to walk out our own salvation, to walk worthy of you, to fully please you, to do everything that you've commanded us, Father, I ask for that grace. I know you've given it. But help even to access that in our lives. Father, I make this determination. I believe we as a body make this determination. We're open before you. We invite you to say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. We'll not be turned away. We'll not let our feelings be hurt. We'll not... Or let our attention be diverted by something else. And Father, we make a determination to keep a heart that's open to you. Lord, because we know that what you have for us, it is good. Even if it seems painful, it's good, it's wonderful, it's needed. Father, we desire that in our lives. And we ask you, speak freely in this church. Speak freely at Impact Family Church. Speak freely in our lives. Father, we'll be good stewards to do the things that you instruct us, the things you show us in your word. We'll walk those things out. We do ask for mercy in areas where we've missed it. But, Father, we also claim by faith your grace to walk these things out. Father, we thank you for it. We love you. Give you all the thanks and praise in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.